With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hockey, I've been, collect- I've been collecting hockey my whole life. I collect all the sports, as people who watch the show would know. I love all the sports. I love all the cards, Ethan. I like 1888 to 2021. There's nothing that I'm not really excited about. But I recently got this, this shirt here. What do you think of this? What do you think about my Wayne Gretzky T-shirt? I got it from somebody on 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 Facebook that was advertising it for like twenty five bucks. That's awesome. Wear him on your shirt. That there was that one guy that wore his Charizard on 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 the necklace before that one his guy. yeah Paul yeah yes exactly. So wear it on you know wear it on your wear it on your hat wear it on your shirt wear it on your necklace. But that card iconic, and I saw your Instagram posts. That's uh, that's a beauty. Okay, so so where are you at? Where are you coming to us live from tonight? Gaston, Alabama, northeast Alabama. In the middle of nowhere, as far as the hobby's concerned. <laughs> yeah. Are there are there any shops around? What do you have as far as as far as hobby activity? Like where do you have to go to get to a card show or an LCS? How far do you have to go? I have two local card shops that have been around for a really long time, but it um as far as card shows they're almost nothing you have a little thing in the mall strip mall where they have 18 tables but it's nothing like i went, went to the national for the first time this year and where i, where I actually met you uh, real quickly and uh it, that just blew my mind i've never seen anything like that at all um and i uh there's also i think there's some in like birmingham hardly ever and then I was able to go to Atlanta show this year as well, but never been to a big show like that. So the Nat, we met at the National briefly, mm-hmm. right? For, yes. Very. It, it was. It was brief. How? How was the? How was your national experience? Was it? And was it? it was it your first one? Was it your first national? It was my first national. I've uh, started my business uh, like four. four Five, actually five years ago, but four years ago, <laughs> uh, three years ago, I, I left my job and I finally, the first year it was too late. The second year I was just getting the office done and the third year COVID and finally I was able to make it to national and I went there. I got there a day early. The second day I got sick, go to the hospital and because I, I actually had an obstruction and uh, they I had to get on IV, IV fluids and I was there for two of the days. Uh, but yeah, I still just blew my mind meeting everybody, talking to people for the first time, seeing all just uh, like a wonderland of cards. I was like kid in a candy store. Yeah. Yeah. I remember an Instagram post you did afterwards, basically uh, saying that, you know, you you had a rough couple of days, but you're back, back at the show, I believe. So as soon as they you. let me go, I was back at <laughs> yeah well good on you for uh you know sticking it out and having the energy to to go back uh for sure but again like you know any diehard hobbyists like ourselves we're not going to miss an opportunity to go to the national especially if you're taking out for a couple of days so um did you have a chance to watch the show that i just had there with brian dwyer from rea it was it was fascinating to see that to, to see what goes into those catalogs the level of care and and attention to detail um, 
you know, I do eBay posts. I post a car at eBay. I just write the, the title and they're writing stories, backstories, uh, and taking great care in detail into a publication, uh, 10 times a year. It's, it's pretty, pretty astounding actually. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty cool for sure. Anything stick out from the episode, anything that, uh, that Brian said that kind of made you think, uh, you, you know, uh, maybe a new idea, something you had never thought of before, anything that stuck out to you? Oh, so, uh, several things. The What he was talking about when y'all were saying the graded auto goats, they're not going anywhere. And we might, like as you were mentioning, we might end up getting more goats, more greatest of all times that we start to consider Kobe, um, who know Le- LeBron, of course, but we don't know if they'll reach that level, but though they're not making any more of them as you said, as he said, and uh, they're tremendously undervalued. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I love the, also the, uh, yeah. the, the, the honus is on an SGC. Yeah. They got, yeah. they got some respect. Yeah, there's definitely some respect for SGC when, when they have the, the record. The record is not a PSA card or a BGS card anymore. It's a mm-hmm. SGC card. That says a lot for SGC. It really, it really does. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that, that's pretty, it, I think, I think, I think, I mean, for me anyway, and just to stay on that topic for a second, you know, I don't know that that there's been an appropriate amount of credit or attention given to that aspect of the sale of the item of the card that it's it is a an SGC graded card. I mean, if I'm mm-hmm. if I'm PSA, I I want to I want that record to be reclaimed by a card in my holder. I remember when yeah. when uh, summer 2020. Uh, when Ken Golden sold the LeBron James uh, RPA out of the gold R- LeBron James RPA out of 23 for $1.78 million, I think, to uh, to Lior from Alt. And um, I remember just how excited uh, Beckett was, the, you know, talking to some people there. They're like, yeah, like that was a really cool thing for Beckett that that card was in their holder. And I forget, I, I had someone on from from Beckett at the time saying that, you know, now that that is a part of all of these impressions that are being made out there in 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 society around the world uh the mm-hmm. name beckett is right there and it's even different because you know in the beckett hold you've got the word beckett right there so it's very identifiable yeah. so pretty a pretty interesting um aspect of the whole thing that i don't know if enough people are talking about especially sgc i haven't heard now i don't follow every piece of uh content out there ethan but they should be talking about it if and if they are pardon me but uh, i would have expected to see something by now because that's that's uh flex worthy don't you think definitely and, and i saw a blurb about it the day that it came out because i was following them and i was actually thinking about submitting to sgc and i i've done four subs since then um not necessarily because of that it's mostly because i can't get a psa sub done but uh, <laughs> but yeah it's um they they don't get mentioned very much, but they're 100% number three. Um, and sometimes number one, as far as, as far as this, in this case, but uh, for people to argue who's number three, it's it definitely not even close to a conversation. They are two, three, sometimes number one. Um, you start hearing about HGA. I actually did a uh, um, Instagram post today, but I was like, if your company can't buy a beer, I don't want to grade in my cards because um, SGC has actually been grading cards for one year longer than 
BGS, they started in 98 and BGS started in 99 and PSA in 91. Right, right. Yeah. I don't understand the beer part. <laughs> well, HGA is, is one year old. They're drinking milk. Got it. Got it. <laughs> can't literally can't uh, legally purchase alcohol. I, I see what you're saying. I see yeah. what you're saying. Um, I back back to the episode with Brian Dwyer of REA that we just finished. He made there were two. I wrote down two quotes that he that he said out loud that I just thought were I don't know. Sometimes you hear a quote, and I, I like when I hear a good quote. So. I don't know if you were, if you caught the whole show or not, but mm-hmm. the earlier one, he said, and this one really, this is collector talk to me. This is collector talk. And I want, I'd like, you know, it comes back to someone made the comment in the last show that uh, that's the only graded three card I'd ever want in my collection. You know, mm-hmm. meaning that, you know, we want, we like nicer cards and nothing wrong with that position. Um, but at the same time, sometimes you just want to have the card. And Brian made the comment. He said, a hole in the card is better than a hole in the binder. I've never yep. heard it said that way, but that resonated with me for some reason. I really enjoyed that comment. Did you hear that? And what, what were your thoughts on that comment? It sounded like something that had been said before. That's how good of a quote it was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he said it before, right? But yeah. still, yeah. I mean, it sounded like somebody, maybe maybe it's, it's maybe it was something that had been said or had uh, they had put up on a bulletin at REA. Um, but yeah, that was... Um, you know, collectors want what they want, and they want good cards. And if it's a three, it's a three, and if it's got a hole in it, it's got a hole in it. But they they want the good cards. Yeah, yeah. And if the good card is is like you know the best card from the set, sometimes you got to take what you what you can get. The other comment he made, and I don't know why I found this one so so enjoyable, but he he goes, uh, I do enjoy a sharp corner. You know, <laughs> talking about what you like about the card, I do enjoy a sharp corner. Like. You know, you can't really say I do enjoy a, a focused card, a card with good focus, like like I do, right? That that doesn't sound mm-hmm. as funny or as good as I do enjoy a sharp corner. Anyway, he's I a connoisseur. That, uh, that was just uh, something that caught, caught my 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 ear when when he mentioned it. All right, uh, I, I have studios comments. Show that shirt, Jared. What a beauty! Yeah, my Wayne Gretzky rookie card shirt. I also got a Michael Jordan rookie card shirt. Probably wear that uh, tomorrow night when I'm when I'm doing collectible live. Or, uh, and maybe also next week. And what do you got on Aub- Aub- Auburn, 34? Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. Can't go wrong with Bo Jackson. I remember no. his payday. Oh. Got to start starting lineups. Four starting lineups. But Bo Jackson's is uh, the man. Very nice. Let's say hello to Barbara. Good evening, Barbara. Troy, great to see you again. Skeppy says, back for after hours. Pringles in hand. Oh, I saw the Pringles in the last uh comment in the last show yeah i haven't had any pringles for a few days guys but yeah i'm due for a can of pringles that's for sure troy there you are again colin says sgc used to be superlative grading company so a bit older there you go even old maybe it transformed or uh, or changed hands or something spurs cards 21 thank you for joining great to have you so so Ethan, everybody, first of all, let me introduce you all to Ethan Janes. Ethan is out of uh, Alabama and uh Ethan is a hobbypreneur, which we've had a bit of a we've had a bit of a run of hobbypreneurs on the show in the last few weeks. Uh, your your angle is a little bit different than you, you're not you're not doing a new uh, display holder. Um, you're not you're not a uh, uh, an authenticator that sort of thing. You are a you you are basically someone who buys and sells cards, and you have been doing it for a little while now. You've you've done it pretty well, making a living doing it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting to to hear your story for people to hear your story. But 
let's just talk about how you ended up on the show with uh, with me here tonight uh, in front of everybody. So why don't I'll let you tell the story? Yeah, I basically I was you know I have a two bachelor's degrees in marketing and business administration, and I have a I have a business uh, successful. I have I have employees, and but I was like nobody knows even who I am. Nobody knows my story. Nobody knows how I got here or, or where I'm out of. Uh, and I thought that was definitely poor marketing on my part. So I said, let's get on a podcast. Let's maybe I'll start a podcast or I can. And I did an Instagram post. And does anybody need a second or a third? And you were nice enough to uh, to invite me on. Uh, and I was blown away, first of all, because, uh, you know, legend in, in, the, in the hobby yourself. And to be on your podcast, I'm, I'm very grateful. Yeah, mate. Well, I mean. You're welcome. Uh, honestly. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I mean that because you—that's what—that's what happened, guys. He he put out a post on on his Instagram. We we follow each other on Instagram, and he basically said, "Yeah, if anybody's, you know, looking to to, are you basically it's he said as you mentioned, it said to the effect of, I want to get, I want to start a podcast. If anybody's looking for a second or a third, even, I'd love to do something. And while I'm not inviting you to be a a mainstay on oh, the yeah. show, <laughs> I thought, hey, here's a guy who wants to do a podcast. I'm always looking for good content. Like there's lots out there and, but you know, it kind of, you know, you're always looking to curate what you're consuming. I thought, Hey, let's, let's bring, I, 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 just, I don't know. Let, let's invite him on. Let's invite him on and uh, see what he has to offer. And, and let's hear the story and give people a, a taste of Ethan Jane's and, um, and maybe someone watching will say, Hey, I want to do a podcast too. I'm going to reach out to this guy. So why don't we do that too? You use Instagram. Let's put it out there too, even tonight. Maybe someone uh, is going to want to team up with you or once, twice, or uh, on, on a, a fixed sort of schedule type of thing. Would that be a good result of this? Um, it, possibly. I was even thinking the day after I actually got all the podcast equipment to do your show tonight. So it's the first time I was like, you know, I'll do it. I'll bite the bullet and, uh, and go ahead and get that. And even if I'm doing something short, and just asking people a few questions and introducing myself and, and hobby news for the day, I might even just do it myself. Yeah. Um, Cause now I have it because the biggest hurdle was how am I going to get all these things and, and be able to put it all together. But here we are. Here you are, man. <laughs> you're, you're live. You're live. Never mind just doing a podcast that you can have a take two. There's no second takes here tonight. We are live. You cannot go yes. back on what you say or how you come across. I've been dealing with that for a year and a half. And trust me, <laughs> you have, you have your, you have your regrets. You have your, uh, Ooh, I wish I would have said this or that, but uh, you, you get over that pretty quick and just realize that you're not going to be perfect every time. And that's okay. I think that's okay. Uh, before we get into your story, your history, let's go back to the comments and say hello to uh, Fire Sports Cards. Good evening. Mike Petty says, I'm an entrepreneur. That's very cool. He said, uh, what, hold on, that went past me. Ian Undercover, I have a shirt that reads, owner of fine luxury cardboard rectangles. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one too. Owner of fine luxury cardboard rectangles. Pretty funny. Mike says, uh, me neither. Nobody in my family knows how I made five to 600K a year. Well, that's good money, uh, Mike Petty, if you're making that much money a year. And hey, maybe they don't need to, maybe they don't need to know. Maybe they don't. <laughs> Jeremy Legion. That's pretty funny. Thank you, uh, Birds. Mike says, Jeremy has the best content for cards. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll read that out loud and, and be thankful for the comment and that you feel that way. Thank you so much, Mike. Says, uh, nice job, Ethan. Looking good, my handsome friend. So, Mike, is Mike a friend of yours? I'm Maybe. not aware. I'm not very good with names. I know faces. Yeah, sorry to put you on the spot like that. Timeless Cardboard says, trying to go to bed but can't put my phone down. Talking about Bo Jackson. Who do you guys think was the most gifted athlete? 
Well, that's a that's a that's a big question. Why don't you? Uh, I mean, it, a lot, you know, in his prime, right? His he, his career was cut short, but uh, a lot of people would would say Bo Jackson. Am, am I right? Uh, yes, Bo, Bo Jackson is my, is my is my pick. Him, uh, Jesse Owens. Uh, I, I think you you probably appreciate uh, Dave Winfield, who uh, actually yeah. hockey, football, basketball, um, and of course baseball, baseball Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, but Bo Jackson, the the ESPN thirty for thirty Bo Jackson. I I've watched it like twenty times. Yeah, I haven't seen. It. I need to see it. I I back when Bo was playing. I mean. I was a big fan for sure. I remember uh, Deion Sanders was was an it, back then. You had a couple of multi sport professional multi sport players. Now I don't think there's uh, there's anybody left for a long time. Maybe even since those guys that has have had any impact at all since Bo and, uh, and Dion, right? Those you have a uh, Kyler wants to play. He wanted to play baseball, and now he's going to be an uh, MVP candidate. And same with Russell Wilson, but they never did it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Troy says, "Is this a podcast hinge date?" Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? This this is a podcast hinge date. Actually, it's an Instagram podcast date. Uh, Sanderson wants to know what NHL team did that Wagner guy play for? I never heard of him. Sure, you haven't, Eric. Sure, you haven't. Bo knows archery now. Good stuff. Yeah, Bird says Brian Jordan was also a two sporter in the nineties. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember that actually. Yeah, right on. Okay, so. Let's get into you, Ethan. How did tell us about your hobby history? How did you get started? Uh, what's been going on for you in the hobby? Like, how, how old were you when you started? And what are some of your earliest memories? My earliest memory was actually Bo Jackson. Uh, a guy was on his bike, went past me, and he just pulled over and started to show me his cards. And I saw wood grain Bo Jackson with future stars written in, in rainbow colors. And just blew my mind at 1987 tops. And ever since then, I mean, I was already a fan of his from being from Alabama, being an Auburn fan, but just that card just stood out, looked like a piece of artwork. Yeah. Um, So so carry on though. Like tell us about your whole hobby trajectory going back from then, take us through from then till now. And even the, any, the break that you uh, may have had in between. Oh, well it, um, I didn't know. I was uh, lower middle class. So I didn't have lots of money. In fact, I look at people with, you know, having go cards like Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky. And I think, you know, I would never, ever have a card like that. Um, and so I was I would collect just mostly baseball throughout the 90s. I had a binder that uh, that I prized went every single month and got a Beckett, which kind of surprised me because I was like, how did I get the $15 for a Beckett every month? But I never had good cards. Uh, but I, I had a Beckett for each month. Um, and so the, uh, towards when I was 19, I um, actually sold my whole collection to be uh, to get a wedding ring, uh, engagement ring. And 12 years later, and then I stopped collecting, uh, even though I was uh, I watched it. But I just knew that the cars were getting more expensive. I and I was broke all throughout my 20s anyways. But uh and then after I got my divorce, so good luck for that. Um, I got a job, and at 35, I started an eBay store, and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. But when I, you know, I, I was I was buying things and selling things. But when I started buying 
cards, everything just kind of clicked. It felt comfortable. Something I already knew. I knew the prices of a lot of 90s cards. One thing that struck me is so many cards were the same value from the 1990s, uh, which is parallel thinking. I have no idea how something from 25 years ago, yeah, collectible has the same value. It just blew my mind, um, but it did. I was uh, selling, buying and selling things on eBay for pretty much the same price you could have got them in 1993. Um, but um, my breakthrough was I saw a lot, right before I got on a plane trip, I saw a lot of Michael Jordan cards for 100, 100 cards. And I was looking through and I saw one that was worth $5, one that was worth $4, one that was worth $15. And I knew the prices in my head, but the whole lot of 100 cars went for $30. And that, I had a, a moment where everything started to click. And so I just started getting all the lots of 100 that I could get. And that was 2016. And I started accumulating them and selling them and I started to get a really good knowledge of, of the better inserts or the, you know, the ultras um, and uh, those types of inserts. And about six months into it, after I had a decent knowledge, a guy sent me a message and he said, Hey, I've got, I've got a collection. I just want to sell the whole collection right now. And I just need $600 for my daughter's playground. And I said, I'll take a look at it. And he showed me, and it was about 6,000 cards, all in binders. And it was all looked very impressive. And I didn't have a perfect knowledge, but I knew it was not $600. And I looked at it, I said, 10 cents a piece, no brainer. And some of the cards looked good, even though I still didn't know how much a refractor was, which is going to blow some of y'all's minds. <laughs> I didn't know how much a refractor was. I didn't know. I just knew some of them looked really shiny and really nice. And I, at, at the risk of it being, of me losing money, I said, sure, I paid him $600. He sent it to me and ungraded those cards would uh, were about $30,000. Um, and I'm not so, not 30, yeah, $30,000. But after I had graded them and went through and well, first of all, it was pr almost priceless, the knowledge that I gained from finding out the what exactly each card was, what it was worth. And now I know the prices of all those cards since then. But anyways, um, it was worth over $150,000 after it was graded. Um, and I was setting cards aside that I didn't know. I told you briefly the other day, um, one card that I set aside that I thought eh, it's, it's not worth that much. It was a game dated foil game dated Michael Jordan. Um, now the set has a lot of cards in it and none of them look too, uh, what's the word? Uh, none of them look too special, but this one was set aside with it and it was all foil. And I thought it's just another one of those game dated cards, but I looked on eBay and a guy had it for $20,000, a PSA 9 for $20,000. And wow. the the odds of getting one of those is about uh, getting one of those PMGs over your shoulder. Um, it was like one out of like 45,000 packs. Um, but I sold it in a lot of 100. 
of just extra cards I had, and I think it went for thirty dollars. So somebody got pretty lucky, but you you got pretty lucky paying six hundred for that one collection uh, mm -hmm. in the first place. So is that like talk about what you're doing? Your your business in the hobby, uh, you know, as I mentioned, hobbypreneur. You're you're, you're making your living in the hobby. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of what kind of catapulted you. It, it it helped really get your feet underneath you in terms of having a business. So is your business as simple as buying cards and selling them on eBay? Is is that your business? In, in at first glance, yes. Um, but one of the things that I thought that I did well when I first started was I didn't have my one of my biggest enemies is the parallel thinking when everyone says, well, everyone's got that card. It's only worth five cents or it's only worth a dollar. And then we found out this last year that a lot of those Michael Jordan cards, not everyone had or everyone liked. And it was $15, $20 and graded $150, $300. Um, but so one of the things that I thought I brought to the conversation in the business was uh, just a, a fresh set of looking at a lot of those different cards. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the cards that are low pop, people don't realize are low pops. Um, a lot of, um, a lot of mid ninety Michael Jordan cards are and inserts people aren't looking at that are low pops, Kobe Bryant's, LeBron James, especially from 2000, 2010. I think there's going to be a big boom, especially now it's harder to grade. So when you see a card that's low pop, that um, I, I, I don't really have a photographic memory, but I remember that I saw that card for $20. Then I saw it for $30, which I'm sure a lot of, a lot of people in the hobby do. Um, but I can see, I see a, a Kobe Bryant card that's an insert that I hadn't seen in a while. And I start looking up the, the pop numbers and I say, I'm going to, I'm going to get that card. Um, and so that's, that's the type of thing. So not only do I grade, but I am kind of a curator of uh, finding low pop goat cards. Oh, that, that's pretty cool. And my mind is kind of spinning here as you're talking about, because I agree, there are lots of cards that are low pop that mm -hmm. are, you know, I think there's two kinds, there's, there, well, there's more than two, but there's like, for the purpose of this discussion, there's a couple of categories of low pop cards that I'm thinking of. There's the ones that are, you know, highly desirable, very rare, very tough pack pull odds, therefore low pop. And then there's the cards that are more common, uh, less desirable, and they're low pop for a reason because they're less desirable. Maybe there, there's so many out there that people just don't care about them or want them. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Like, especially with grading being so much more expensive now, you know, like a, a base card or a, a less important card, a non-rare, a, a card that isn't a rare parallel or insert, is there, are you seeing a demand for some of these high print run, low pop uh, graded cards? Uh, yes and no. And, and I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. To, to have a low pop Michael Jordan, as far in, in my mind, it just means you have a goat low pop. Like if you had a, a low pop Clyde Drexler, 
then that's a different story. Um, especially now that the prices have gone up in grading because now, and, and especially if you know, if the card, you don't see that card very often when there's going to be a million slabs around or 9 million slabs laying around and people are starting to set aside the Clyde Drexlers and if you, and Eddie Murray that nobody's, nobody's that excited about, like you were talking about the it's low pop for a reason. Um, but if you have a low pop, Michael Jordan, those, those are going to start to stand out. And then when you put it up on Instagram and somebody says, nobody has that card, I'm not seeing that card. Um, and then it'll be. While you're pausing, I, while you're yes. pausing, I'm just going to say that this, this chapter of the show is called pop schmop. Pop schmop. Okay. That's the title of this chapter of, of the, of the uh, episode, but keep, carry on, carry on. I love it. I love it. Um, when you, so now you can't pull a 19, well, you can pull uh, packs from 1990s, but I just had this thought. It's kind of like when, when I, when I start posting these, uh, or if anyone starts posting low pop Michael Jordan cards, people are going to start looking for them because you can't find them. If you're, you're saying you're, you're, you'll get, go get a pack. You can't get a pack. You can't, they don't, they're not making them anymore. And once you have a good view of what everyone's posting on, on eBay and Instagram, you start to realize what people do have and what people don't have. Um, let, let's talk, uh, about the Doncic rookies, 10,000 graded at a PSA 10. Everyone's got one. Um, and, and, and especially if he, if, especially if he gets a, an injury, God forbid, I mean, but, or, or Zion gets an injury, then everyone's got 10,000 PSA 10 prism Doncic and, and, and Zion's and the guy only spent three years in the league. Um, and that's when actual goat cards, like you got one on your shirt, the ones behind your shoulder, actual goat cards will be going crazy and low pop goat cards. That's, that's what I think. Yeah, no, fair. I, I, uh, uh, Todd makes a comment. Some cards are condition sensitive, making them tough. Definitely. You know, like I said, there's, uh, there's there's a few different reasons why we have some low, why there's low pop cards out there. Some are just rare to pull. Some are condition sensitive, and some nobody cares to get graded. But those are the ones that you know. If you know, I know lots of Michael Jordan collectors, and some of these guys want every Michael Jordan card in their collection. And uh, this this one right here is a, it's a pop one. It is a uh, I just had this sitting aside. It's a pop one Gaudi or not Gaudi, but Goodwin really? Champions. But it's the lumberjack version, uh, and it's not—it's not that nice of, of a car. But the back, it chips all across. Yeah. You can't get this card at a ten at that perfect backing. And it's a mini. It's a parallel. It's a parallel of a parallel because it's a mini lumberjack version, uh, PSA one. But with the pricing of grading, people aren't going to send that that off at a PSA ten, pop one Michael Jordan. That's the type. That's the type of stuff that that you got to have your eye out for anyways. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're right. People aren't going to send in cards like that. And now this all supposes that the price of grading is going to stay where it is or not come down by much. I am hopeful that, you know, that, that the, the, the big grading companies are going to have lower priced grading for the more common cards at some point in time where it will be 
um, you know, more incentivizing for a completionist collector to send in a card like that, because you're right. That's a pop one. It's probably going to remain a pop one for a while because even in a pop one, it's not, I don't believe it's going to sell for big, big money, whatever that, you know, thousands of dollars, because it's just not as, as important or desirable of a card. But there are some collectors out there who want every Jordan card they can get their hands on in a PSA 10 or a PSA 9 or a PSA holder or a BGS holder, whichever one it may be. So um, I think it's still, there's, it's still interesting. There is still a, a, a demand for those things. Mm-hmm. But I think that even the people that are, that are uh, driving that demand aren't going to spend a lot of money on some of these cards because it, even though they're low pop, it's like, yeah, it's a low pop in terms of how many have been graded, but I can buy a lot of 50 of them on eBay for $20. And, you know, I know I'm, I'm making up numbers here, of mm-hmm. course, but I can I can find the card anytime I want one. It's likely there's going to be, I can probably go into Com C and find a dozen of them or more. It's likely that a couple are going to grade a 10. So, but the price of grading. So in from your perspective, the way, you know, the way you have your finger on the pulse of the hobby in, in your business, are you seeing some of these, um, you know, I thought that when the price of grading went up, I kind of thought, well, that should push the price of graded cards up because now a graded card is, you know, that's $150, $200 right there just for the service. So buying that for 40, 50 bucks kind of makes sense. Are you seeing, are you seeing more and more sales of lower price, lower valued graded cards, like under a hundred dollars? No. I I, I thought you were asking if the price was going to go up. The price is, let me put it to you this way. Are you seeing, are you, have you seen more demand for cheaper slabs? Not necessarily. I'm seeing the the price of slab cards go down, especially if it is out of the season. The 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 basketball cards were going down, and then also it has to do um, with the people that are investing. It the the type of the part time of the season it is. Like right before the national, prices went down. People were saving money for national, um, but now the even with that. People, people are just have so many slabs laying around. Um, and that's the reason why you're going to want the good cards or the the hot rookie that's coming up. But if you, like right now, post a, um, like w- within the last month, I was posting rookies and I had to like say, which rookie am I going to go with? Am I going to go with RJ Barrett? No, he's going to be later in the season when he has a good week. Um, or Shea Gilgis Alexander. But if you wanted to post a Cam Reddish who had one hot week during the during the Eastern Conference Finals, um, his card was going to tank because people, they're, they're not wanting, even if it was a PSA 10, low pop, good looking card, people weren't looking for it. Um, I hope I hope that answered your question. But yeah, people, yeah. people have a lot of PSA 10s laying around and PSA 9s are... They're going. It's it's going down, unless it's a unless it's a hot prospect or a goat. Right, right. So, tell us more about what your what your business is then on eBay. Like again, I sort of said before, you're just buying selling cards. You said I bring a bit more. So, what is your what is your day to day look like? Are you are you simply sourcing? Are you buying collections? Are you are you picking off lots on eBay? And then just sort of flipping them on eBay as well. Is that is that your bit? You said you have some employees. What do they do for you? 
kind of round out what, what your business is for us. Um, well, I, I have a, I have, I have the inventory and the inventory is, uh, I can have it up for auction or it just, or it just sits there. I'm not a lot, a lot of people, um, are selling a lot of cards like basketball cards during the off season. And they're people are complaining to me about the price. Uh, and they're saying, I just bought one of those for a hundred, $200 less. And I'm like, well, it's not the season. I'm not going to give it away. Uh, so I'll have cards sitting here um, at, at, at mid season price. And, uh, and it'll just, it'll just be sitting there. Um, and, and I don't have a problem with that. Um, especially if it's a, an investment or a goat, somebody that I, that I have. So to answer your question, uh, I have an inventory. Um, it's 10,000, 10,000 listings on eBay that I, I actually have. Uh, they're all sitting in my, in my database, but I usually have, only have about 5,000 of them up and running. And uh, I have a couple of employees that do the shipping. They do all of the um, the cataloging and keeping everything organized and straight, making sure the inventory stays straight. I grade pretty much everything that comes in. Um, some people would say, well, why would I get a card from you if uh, I know or ungraded card from you if I know you've already if you know you've already uh, graded it? And the reason why is because um, I have ninety nine point nine nine percent eBay feedback um, and never been involved in any kind of scam or or people saying you did this to this card and you tricked me and, and nothing on Instagram. Um, I've never had a red flag or somebody said that I'm not legit. <laughs> so, um, but which takes, you know, takes time and, and my employees, I thank them to, to handle those headaches. Uh, but I don't let any, any of those cards get in the store. I don't let a card, that's been colorized into the store. I don't look at it. I don't let a card with a crease get into the store. Um, and if, and if it happens, I take care of the customer. Um, so I'm quality control on top of grading everything um, and pricing and um, those, and, and sending, sending my, sending my submissions off, taking care of that um, and just constantly having a plan. And like, even right now with, the pricing of grading and, and trying to look at the, the, the horizon of what's going to happen. I'm making uh, plays and decisions of what angles we're going to go to and it, which I'm sure everyone is doing, but it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's quite a tightrope to, to think what is the whole hobby going to be interested in five, six, nine, a year from now, nine months later, a year from now, what are they going to be interested in? What are they going to be looking at? Um, and then, and then that's, that's basically what I'm doing every day. So does that mean that when you, when you sort of land on what you think the hobby is going to be interested in, in five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months down the road, that you are then looking to purchase those cards? Like, are you going on eBay to buy them or wait, how are you, how are you executing on the, on the foresight that you're, that you're, yeah. A lot of it is a lot of it is eBay. Um, it, I do buy some collections. I also I started to go to shows and go to my local card shop. Um, but a lot of it is eBay buying those buying the lots. Uh, when I was working at when I had my job before I left, um, I was just going through. I would see the lot and I'd say, "I've seen that Michael Jordan, that Michael Jordan, that Michael Jordan." And now I know when I look at it, I said that Michael Jordan sold for $5 a year and a half ago. It got up to 10. Now it's selling for about 
18. And so that it's like a little mathematical equation when I see a lot of cards. Um, but yeah, and, and to answer your question more, um, you can never go wrong when, when you start to see ebbs and flow in the hobby to go back to vintage and to look at that where you know tried and true that person's not gonna you're not gonna tear an ACL or MCL and uh, and those cards are gonna are gonna stay there. And so when I'm looking right now there's with this with the NBA season about to start unlimited amount of lots coming through on eBay and there's gonna be a lot of people buying those. Um, but I try to focus on on the on the goats right now what I know and not gonna fall into those traps <laughs> yeah yeah for sure are you uh are you mostly selling cards via auction or buy it now on ebay um buy it now during during the season um i have a lot of i'm mostly basketball but i started football even though i was a childhood baseball fan um but when you start looking at parallel thinking parallel thinking in baseball is uh, so prevalent that everyone has the thought. If you if you have a thought, a thousand other people already had that thought, and they've already executed it, and they've been doing it for years, and they already they they bought the Bowman Chrome refractor of that guy um, three years ago, and they've already jumped on it. So um, I like basketball a lot, and also when I when I just started with football, um, today's Herbert, you could have got that Herbert card last year. And if you would have made a move on it, you got it. Um, it's not like baseball, even though I love it. And it's my child. It's, it's uh, you know, of, of my youth, my, my hobby for my youth. It's so, so difficult that for, for the game that I play and the business I run, it's, uh, uh, it's just, I just can't do it. Even though I love it and I have some of them, but. So, no, I, I hear you. So, so, on eBay, you're running both auctions and buy it now. Is it really depends okay. on the season, the sport, that kind of thing? Like, are you, are you, and, and then my, my follow up question to that, Ethan, would be with 10,000 lots on eBay, how do you make sure that, you know, if a player gets really, if you have a buy it now, if a player gets really hot, do you try and change the price so that someone doesn't scoop it on you and then just sort of relist it right away for profit because you were too slow to change your price, which, I think can be a, a challenge for people with thousands of listings on eBay uh, at fixed prices. How do you manage that uh, that sort of issue in your business? Yeah, I actually got bit pretty hard because I do mostly buy it now. Uh, I got bit pretty hard when everything was going crazy earlier this year. Um, I could have sold everything in the store and I could have put them up for auction. And in retrospect, in retrospect, if I would have had 20 years, 20, 30 years in the hobby, such as yourself, then I probably should have done that. <laughs> Just sold. Live and learn, right? Yeah, live and learn. Um, but I was, I was still, I still have, uh, you know, confident confidence when I have. But to answer your your earlier question, um, I do mostly buy it now. I do have some auctions. I started doing weekly, um, you know, Sunday, Sunday and Tuesday, Tuesday night auctions. Um, and that's just uh, for, and I try to keep them in in season players and concentrate on those. But if I have to let it go, go to you know, because I'm paying all the grading fees all the time, especially SGC is you have to prepay the grading. It's not like PSA. Um, so yeah, so you're I'm prepaying grading fees for cards. I'm not, I won't see for months. Um, 
but yeah, if uh, um, the second part of your question, yeah, the, what I've been doing mostly is I price my cars a little bit above the normal of what I see. And the reason why is because um, for quality control, I mean, people, people see the, the cards that I have, the price I have, they know exactly what they're getting customer service. I don't, I, I like to think I price under what you'll get at a hobby shop, but I don't have a hobby shop. So a little bit over eBay comps, um, but under what you would see at a, at a, at a card shop is what, is what I like to think my car prices are at. So I let them sit there and routinely, if I go through my zero count box, which is usually right there, um, I go through my zero count. And if that player is hot, then I just re up it with, with, with the correct pricing because there's a reason why I have zero count. Zero Um, count being the amount of watchers on the card on eBay. Is that what? what Sorry. A zero count, just, just for just my current account, in the store, the amount of cards that I have in the store. So if I sold out of that, uh, um, like there's most random cards that I will sell out of, like the 1991 Michael Jordan SP1 Upper Deck, where he's where he's in the um, the White Sox outfit. Um, I'll sell out at at fifteen dollars three years ago, and I would sell out, and I would sell out again, and then I was like that car's got to be worth $20. Um, and I love the card. You know, it's a, it's a kind of iconic card, um, especially graded well, cause it's hard to get. Um, but now I have it, at, you know, it's boring, but I have it at, uh, I definitely wouldn't sell a car for under $30 now. And I just constantly, it's easy to see when you see the zero count, when you see it sell out so many times. Yeah. Are you, so Skeppy has a question. I'm kind of, I'm kind of what he's saying, how do you scale your profit margins? And I'm kind of thinking the same thing because are mm-hmm. you, do you are you like a volume guy that's focused? You know, you know, some sellers are are in. You know, I, I think you you have different kind of um, approaches or really just uh, markets you're going after. Are you going after more of that lower end, like like two dollar to a hundred dollar type market? Is that is that your sweet spot? You know, and and then and then are you are, are you scaling just based on volume with your employees? I mean, ten thousand lots is is a healthy number of auctions that are, or listings to have on eBay at any given time for for anybody. Uh, so, to, to Skeppy's question about how do you scale, and to my question about are you kind of specializing in that you know lower end under a hundred dollar uh, market? Um, well, to, to answer the question, the way I got started, um, which is going away from parallel thinking, I actually got started by looking at eBay stores. I didn't go to Instagram and look at what everybody else, everyone else was selling and look at how interesting all their cards were. And I think a lot of people get jealous of those people and they think they, their cards aren't worth anything. Um, but even, even, even though they are, um, and they just strive to keep up with the Joneses. So that's another thing I try not try not to stay away from. Um, so when I first got started, I was just looking at scale as in what kind of cards people would buy and what kind of cards people would that I could get at at certain levels um, and getting them in lots and whatnot. So it was const- it was a constant study. Um, we start when you're talking about two dollar cards. There was no money that could be made in doing that. I actually went down to the per cent card and I would have to have. Um, 
I would have to have so many of them sold and it'd be weren't even worth wasn't even worth my time because everything I have in my store it has a penny sleeve and a top a top loader. And so a lot of those cards wouldn't be worth my time to go pick it up, go get it, bring it up, put it in a yeah. bubble mailer, sell it, taxes, fees. Um, and everything I do is on eBay. So I pay fees on and and everything for those. Um, so to answer your question, I sell uh, the if I think I can get that card um, in lots, if I think I can get it, uh, I try to get it to where I at least make $10. So if I have a $4 card, um, if I have uh, like five of them, I was like, that's $20. I'll make a post. It only takes me a second. I used to be a blogger. So I just think making a post is really not that big of a deal. A lot of people hate posting things on eBay, but if all you gotta do is do a title, and then you have boilerplate for the rest of it, they've made it so incredibly easy. So if I have four cards laying around, that's a nice uh, Juan Soto card. You know, he has a thousand rookies now, but he he also have a second year prospect card, which is, I still call it a rookie card. Um, so a second year prospect card, put it up as a rookie RC, um, and uh, for, for $4, took me five seconds, and now those cars that I just had laying here is 20 bucks. So it's in my mind, the, I know that doesn't answer your question on a large scale, but in my mind, that's the type of thing I'm thinking of. That's $20. That's five seconds. Take a pic, take a couple of pictures, even though I have my employees help me out on that now. Um, but when I was going through the process, that's the type of thing I was thinking of. Okay. But it's it, on a larger scale. I'm thinking of, um, I sell out of Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, and hot rookies. So it's just a constant feed of that. I'm constantly buying those, buying, selling, um, and I you you get a feel for the type of card that sells well. Uh, you yeah. get a you get a feel for the parallels that sell well of the goats, um, and then you also get a feel for um, the cards that won't ever sell. And I call it I call it my Clyde Drexler rule, but if Clyde Drexler was great, and he's he was he's a Hall of Famer, he won championships with the Rockets, he um, he was a dream teamer, and you'll have a, the same set Clyde Drexler right next to a Michael Jordan, and you couldn't give away the Clyde Drexler, right? And so it's those types of things that you start to get a feel for. What's the uh, what's the meaning behind your your Instagram handle gradedsports.cards and and the same uh, name for your eBay store gradedsports.cards? Why what, what, how did you land on that name? It was actually uh, I like I said I used to be a professional blogger so I used to be involved when I would do professional blogging um, I used to be involved in the SEO the search engine optimization so when I and I had a actually had a blog called secfootballblogger.com <laughs> i was not good at it because i don't like to write um i like the way i do now i just work on the title but anyways um so i actually own the website gradedsports.cards www.gradedsports.cards so seo i sell graded sports cards and i own the website graded sports cards. When I was going through GoDaddy to finally, uh, I had my eBay store for about a year and a half. And when I was going through eBay, I was like, what, 
would be great search engine optimization. How could I do that? And as soon as I saw on GoDaddy that you could put dot cards, it was game over. I just said, well, I have to just, and then I found out graded sports dot cards is available. You know, it would be kind of cool for our hobby if dot cards became a, a domain name extension or whatever you call the the dot that with the letters that come after the dot, whether it's dot com or dot net or dot gov or up here in Canada dot ca. Um, it'd be neat if dot cards became something that we was more common in our hobby, and you'd have one of the uh, one of the earliest ones. Um, I thought it would. Yeah, I, I thought it was. I was like, people are gonna like have, have, this is might. a no brainer. It still might. So okay, uh, we're gonna go to Skeppy. Two two good comments. So Skeppy's comment, basically, he's asking here, Ethan. You know, if you pay a thousand dollars for a lot of cards, what do you need to sell them for to make the business worth your time, worth your while, pay the bills? As he put, crack the nut and pay the bills. Like, do you do you think margin is that? Like, I think you do. So just and and again, you don't have to give away your markup, any of that. So, but to the extent you want to answer. Well, with I, well, like I say, with with parallel thinking, um, and this is this is a point I make a lot is if everyone did what I did, none of us would make any money because it's just parallel thinking. As soon as everyone's doing something, then nobody's nobody's making any money. So you have to find your own little niche. Uh, but uh, to answer the question, once you find a lot of the cards that make sense, and so now I have four thousand. I have 4,000 active, and then I also have 6,000 that I can go back to that I have zero counts on that I can just say, oh, boom, now I have a, now I have one. Or I noticed I had – so if when I look at a lot, um, I can just point out and just in my mind, I can look at that, 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 that 10, 20, 50, 60, uh, 85, um, and 120. So I can constantly do that, and I, I also remember what's the in-season and out-of-season price. And then also I look at it and go, what's that at eight? What's that at a nine? What's that at a 10? What did it sell for now? What did it sell for last year? What did it sell for in the future? So those are the types of things that I'm that I that I think about, but I don't bank on that because you can't grade a card. So basically just go off of ungraded cards, what you have, what your prices are. You got to remember all your prices. If you don't remember all your prices, then this doesn't make any sense. It's not going to make it's not going to make time. You're never going to be able to catch up to uh, before the lot ends, when before the auction time ends. You're going to be sitting there just counting. So you have to actually just know, and you have to be comfortable and caught up on your pricing. So if once you get to that point, then uh, you go. I always went from back in my looking at eBay. If I had a if I had a book. When I very first started, I would go 65%. If I could sell something for 65% of what I know it will sell for, then I'm making 20%. It's worth my time. If it's a if it's a $20 book and I buy it for $13, I'm making $4 even after all the after even after everything. So then I started having to pay taxes, local taxes in Alabama. So I dropped it down to 56%. Um, so if I said, if I can do it and that's not exact, but I just started going 50, 55, 55%. If what I did in my head, if I can buy it for 55%, then I'll go for it. And then sometimes if I'm, I know it's the off season, I might drop it down to 45 and it surprises me how on the point period, how many people they're doing the exact same thing I'm doing 
are buy it for 46% or I buy it for $1 less than what I had. So there's people doing this exact same thing that have the exact same markups, that exact same pricing that they're thinking. And uh, I also, to go along with that point, I have sometimes 150 cards sitting in my cart that I'm just sitting there thinking, do I need to make a play? Do I need to make a play? I'll go, I'll log in in the morning and 15 of them are sold that are sitting there. And I was like, oh, I knew, I knew that card, somebody wants to make the exact same play. And they were thinking um, this, I know this is a sports card, but just last week I had a lot of nine Venom holograms. And I was like, hey, the movie's coming out. And also Marvel just took a bump up and they took a dip, but Venom is is going to stay alive. And then also there's going to be the huge movie next year where he's going to probably make a, an appearance in uh, in the new new Spider-Man. And the next day they were sold. It, no, it was not. Not it was not that nice. It was not a metal. Oh. <laughs> These are yeah, just Venom right there. Hologram. That's nice. Yeah, that's a pretty a, card. An LCS pickup last weekend, actually. Oh wow! Yeah, very nice. What which, is that? A, one of the rare ones, precious metal. It's not a fifty. It's a twenty. It's twenty fifteen. Uh, the mm -hmm. blue out of fifty. But I just thought the image was. And I'm not a Marvel guy, but yeah. I mean, but I'm also not someone who's gonna you know let an opportunity go by if I think I see one. And mm -hmm. that's just. Uh, I just think that's a phenomenal piece of art right there. That that's just the neatest picture i've ever seen on a pmg so perfect and that's a no perfect brainer. example where it's a perfect example of what i was talking about parallel thinking can hurt everyone but then you can take the exact your knowledge and just say wait that this precious metals out of 50 venom and the movie's coming out that's a no-brainer give me that card it your the parallel thinking can help and it can hurt just take you just have to think what everyone else is thinking and then it's easy to say to zig when everyone zags, but to see before it happens, to say everyone's about to do that, and then to sit there and and, and go over here. But yeah, yeah that's, that's a great great pickup. Yeah, Skeppy, thanks for the answer. Yeah, Skep, you bet. So, uh, and it's funny, Matt Pime just out he asks a question that that was exact. Well, not the exact same wording, but pretty much the exact same question I had. I wanted to get into your position on grading overall, uh, your thoughts on who the leaders are. And you kind of already touched on that, I believe, when we were you're, you're talking about uh, that, the whole SGC thing and how the, the record break, the record holder for most expensive card ever sold now is in an SGC holder, being the Tito 6 Wagner that Robert Edward Auction sold and Brian Dwyer, the president, was just on with us earlier tonight. Uh, but, you know, in your mind, I think you've already answered the leaders. If I'm, you know, mm -hmm. if I'm going to say it's PSA, BGS, and and, and SGC. Is that simple? Is that uh, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Or no? yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is 100 correct. Uh, the the BGS 10 pristine black. I mean, uh, black label. It, it's going to get more than the PSA 10 in that, but it's so incredibly hard to get. And I haven't got a gold level, a gold label SGC card out of the. Uh, several hundred that I've sent in so far. So that, that I think will also start to garner more respect, um, which I, you know, when you see that the gold around the SGC label looks, looks really sharp. I think that's going to start to garner a lot more. Um, but to answer the question in how it affects my business, um, PSA, 
I wouldn't let a PSA go in an auction unless I was 1000% sure that the market that it was looking for was actively looking for it. Uh, if not, then you're just throwing it away. Um, and the reason why that's important is when all the when all the slabs are coming back, 9 million slabs and or whatever it is, and all the BGS slabs and SGC is going full blast, and then all of the three-letter slabs that are going to be coming out that who knows what they are. Um, when all of them are sitting around, then the hierarchy of what's of what's actually going to be worth something is going to change. And it, it's also going to stay the same. And people are going to be looking for the goats, the best cards. Everybody wants good cards. We started off with the REA. So everyone's going to want the, the good cards. Um, I think the value of a nine is going to go down. PSA nine. Um, in, in, in my, because I work through, through eBay. So a nine PSA nine or PSA 10 is, is number one. PSA nine is over book value. Um, but as far as BGS goes from, from what I have, uh, it could be the same as a 10. If it's really nice and it has good subgrades, but a 9.5, and, and being a mark, having a marketing degree, it just it was just a terrible name for it. It should have been ten, because they have great they have great grading. Uh, but it, a ten, a perfect ten. You're saying this is perfect. You're saying it's it's a ten, but you're but you're not calling it a ten. You're calling it nine point five, and it's just it's just mental. I, I everyone that's pointing out that nine point five and a PSA ten, they sh there shouldn't be a a two x and a three x different. Everyone agrees. I'm not saying a, a, a BGS 9.5 is better than a PSA 10 or is not. Uh, they might be. The, it might be the same card. And uh, to go back to your uh, point way earlier, I think you were talking about it with uh, with uh, the guy from REA. And I apologize, apologize about being terrible with names, but the reslabbing that they're going to be doing when people want to reslab and reholder over to a PSA 10. It's gonna it's gonna start to blow up, um, but anyways. So a BGS nine sells for a PSA eight, and that's and that's currently. So what's gonna happen when the slab avalanche happens and all of the slabs come down, and even the even the collectors have too many slabs. It's like I I don't know where I'm gonna put all these slabs. It's bigger than a card. You can't put them in binders. Uh, so they, you know, so what's going to happen is uh, is the n price of nine is going to go down. Uh, a BGS nine is going to be probably book value or less um, because people are going to say, "Well, I'd rather buy I'd rather buy it raw and try to grade it myself." Um, if prices go down, yeah, interesting. So let's go to Matt's uh, Matt's question. That was kind of the first part of it. But uh, so Matt says, Ethan, what are your thoughts on the new companies CSG and HGA? Um, with without having a catchphrase, I I, I appreciate and I definitely don't want to um, I don't want to put down anyone's business and their dreams and what they have going forward. Uh, and I, I've, I'm not terribly familiar with CSG, but I believe it's a computer or they, they have the, um, 
it's not even touched by humans, if I'm if I'm correct. Uh, and HGI does a lot of that as well. And uh, my under, no CSG, I think, is a more uh, traditional grading type of uh, company, sort of like a PSA or a Beckett. They they hired a couple of the um, longstanding graders away from Beckett when they started, and uh, mm-hmm. their own their own uh, by or along with the company, the C, I, I forget what it's called, but uh, the, yeah. the big comic book grading company that's very well respected. Oh. So, so they've got a lot of experience in the grading and authentication business. They're not a, just a startup, whereas HGA and many others are, are more of your traditional startup uh, entrepreneurial ventures. So um, yeah, and, and, hey, and listen, I'll, I'll tell you one thing though. If you're not familiar with, with, with the companies, it's probably best not to, to answer the question if you don't know. But but I, yeah, but I, I actually I've seen a lot of stuff with CSG and I've been from, and I have seen a good bit of there. I thought you were talking about a different one, but the, the CSG, oh, okay. because they because they, they also already grade and have a and have a familiar background with uh, with 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 uh, comic books. In my mind, when I was thinking of it, that was my logical fourth that they would that they would that when it was all said and done if there was going to be a fourth if there was going to be room for a fourth that they would be fourth um i think it's a tough uh row to hoe for hga coming uh, even though that i like the colored slabs i like some of the things they've done um so with my limited knowledge i really think it's going to be like i said tough road to slow for hga and I thought months ago that CSG looked like if there was going to be a number four, they'd be number four. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think the yeah, CSG is uh, is a definite player in the space um, just because of their uh, their corporate background and the graders that they brought in too to train their their new grading staff. I think it, it, it helps to have experienced graders leading a grading team. Um, so yeah. Good stuff. Appreciate the answer there. Uh, the big unit had a question for you. Says, uh, with the NBA celebrating its 75th season this year, do you see a spike in vintage basketball with past players being brought to the forefront? And I love this. Hold on a second, Ethan. I just want to say I love this question from the big unit because it, it's right on topic with you, right? We were talking earlier about how you're always, you know, you're looking for what the hobby might be thinking down the road. And this question is right on theme so shout out to big unit for you know for being uh on on point really and uh and now to you uh ethan what, what are your thoughts on the question well i appreciate the the question randy johnson but um i'm sorry bad joke but um i think that there with what happened last year there was already such a huge spike and appreciation for bill russell and kareem and george gervin and those prices going up I would, uh, I would expect a, a price to go back to that because it would be very simple for people to say when the, when the 75th anniversary, when I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be at, uh, at the all-star break as, as, as it was with the 50, which was a great event. They really know how to do, they really know how to do it up and it's going to be a buildup all season long. So I expect personally that there will be a buildup and people will be looking at where the prices were towards March, and it would not surprise me at all if, on the way to on the way to the All Star Game, that prices were brought back up, and and then brought back down right after, um, because like right now, why wouldn't you go get a cream right now? It's not less or more valuable, but it's just the buildup, um, yeah. and but it, 
because of what just happened this last, you know, March and whatnot, um, it's going to be so incredibly easy for people to say when they look at card ladder for them to say, Hey, it was just that value. Let's bring it back up here, which is still, you know, 10, 30, a hundred times in some cases, what it was three years ago. Uh, when you see the card ladder, it goes like this and then up to March and then back down, but still, but still at a trajectory where it it's still at 30, 30 top. This is hundred times value. And then it dips back down from three years ago to 30 times value. And that's still amazing. So what I know, I'm just using my air here. So okay. I, I, I expect quite a few of the, of the goat cards, the best cards to reach back up to those values, at least, at least coming back to them. Cause it's very easy for people to say, that car was just worth $3,000 or that card was just worth $15,000. So, yeah, I, that, that's a good point, Ethan, that, you know, it is easier to pay a certain amount for a, for a card when it's sold for that amount, when it has sold for that amount mm -hmm. in the past. Look at the, look at the Michael Jordan PSA 10, a very obvious example, right? Sells for $200,000 a year ago, January comes $720,000 comes back down to earth 250 350 and then one sells for $840,000 it was a very special you know a very nice 10 that I believe that was on PWCC uh yes it was it was on the premier auction and uh and then now it's come back now now not that it's come back down but other copies have sold for you know back that that 350 point but it's easier to pay it was easier for the buyer to pay 840 when they knew that copies had probably sold for 7 the copies had sold for 720 Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the in, in in a time when sort of average PSA tens were selling for that you know three hundred thousand dollar level or something like that. So I, I I get your point, even though that's on a much different scale. I, I hear your point. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I like how you use card ladder in your um, in your mm -hmm. air oh, yeah. discussion. And my question, you know, I want to I want to probe into that a little bit. Um, do you use card ladder in your business? Is it is it a tool that you're using? I mean, you mentioned it, so. I love card ladder and I like the people that run it. They're, they're, they're nice people and yeah, uh, very, very knowledgeable. I, Chris Hoge, <laughs> I actually saw one of your posts today and I saw it said with Chris McGill. And I was like, who's Chris McGill? Uh, Chris Hoge. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, but yeah, I, I, I like, I like their, I, I like card ladder and I don't necessarily use it cause I don't, a lot of their, I mean, I don't necessarily use it for each and every purchase. Uh, they started putting cards lower than, you know, and especially if it was um, uh, prospects and whatnot. So they had some, some of those cards, but um, as far as what's going on overall in the hobby, when I look at the top climbers or when I look at the price index, um, uh, when I look at the price index and I see it coming up over the last you know, four months and right now it's back to where it was back in around June. And that maybe that's based off of, you know, lots of different factors, but it's just the, I look at the way things are going and I see in the next few months for it to, uh, for with baseball playoffs, basketball starting up and the NFL, um, I see it continue to grow, but, uh, yeah, I, I look at it. I look at it, um, uh, not for every purchase, but for a lot of purchases and also for how a player's health and their hobby health is, are doing. Oh, uh, but to, one thing I, that I'm very fascinated with is 
the Michael Jordan PSA 10 rookie and its ebbs and flows and where it's going to go. Um, I was looking the other day at there's 315 copies and some people at, at a PSA 10 and some people say it's overproduced in my mind that, that he he's, he's the greatest ever and the greatest ever will be. And, and you can't go six for six in finals and win two for two in the Olympics and FIBA and NCAA tournament. I, he's just, he's the goat. I love LeBron James, but Michael Jordan, he'll always be the goat. Um, but consider all the people that are involved in the hobby, all of the millionaires, billionaires, all of the people that, that are getting involved and also just, let's just say sports fans, periods. Um, it's only worth $300,000, $400,000 when there's only 315. There's, I looked it up. There are over 1000 people in the United States that have over a hundred million dollars. And let's say, over, sorry, how many people? Well, I, 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 I'm going off of memory. So it was, it was over a thousand people that have over a hundred million dollars in the United States. Got to be a lot more than that, I think, but. But anyway, it's okay. We don't. We don't, we don't need to fact check. My my whole point. The whole point that I was making is that how many of these billionaires can't just have or a Mark Cuban? Why wouldn't Mark Cuban have a PSA ten Michael Jordan laying around? There's and no just, reason. Just, just to brag. There's no reason that Mark Cuban should not have a period. Period. No reason he shouldn't have one. If he doesn't, shame on him. Exactly. And every. I was even thinking the other day that Michael Jordan could buy them all. And then, <laughs> but, uh, but my point is, is, is the price is going to go up. Even if you look at the, the trajectory on, on card ladder, it's going to go up to a million dollars, period. When I tell people, it, it's like a no brainer. If you buy, if you wanted to buy them now, if you had the money and it's going to be at a million dollars, I thought within the next year and a half, uh, but it'll definitely double in the next year and a half and then a million is is inevitable period the way the way that it's going as long as the dollar stays strong um i have a whole rant that i could go on for an hour that that sports cards especially the way that i add them all up is a currency yeah and it's a currency that you know it, it has ebbs and flows but michael jordan if you wanted to say that Michael Jordan was its own currency, Michael Jordan cards was his own currency. You, if you wanted to trade, you that you could have a very strong point in that. And in actuality, I never see any money, uh, which which is uh, interesting to your viewers. I never see the money. I do everything through eBay. So literally, my power bill, my mortgage, my car notes, I give people cards and my mortgage is paid what's the difference between nfts i don't even physically pay them i don't even physically hand it to them i put it in the mail i click sent on ebay and then i get the money in just by that what's the difference between that and an nft i mean it, this is fungible but i'm never i'm never having i never have the money right so as far as i'm concerned Money is uh, just money's become numbers on a screen, right? It's not about exactly. currency anymore. Yeah, that, that's a whole other discussion, but you're right. Yeah. 
And it's, I was, it's, it, so, so when I looked at it is, um, it's, I think NFTs are going to go down, especially NBA Top Shot, which I don't know you talk about on your show. Um, but NBA Top Shot, when people, or especially this Christmas, when everybody's walking around and they need to buy their Christmas presents, they're going to think, I need to sell that. I need to sell that Top Shot because I need the I need the twenty thousand dollars I spent, and I want to buy everyone Christmas. And then they go to sell it, and it's thirty dollars, because everyone that wanted it, they need to buy Christmas. And so that's when that's when the rubber meets the road. But if you have a Michael Jordan card PSA ten that everyone knows is worth a thousand dollars, Christmas time. You'll get eight hundred dollars, and that's and that's and that's when it's an actual currency, and it has it has strength. When even people don't have money, there's going to be a collector going. There's no way I'm letting that go for less than eight hundred, nine hundred. There's no way. So anyway, anyways, yeah, <laughs> interesting. I like the way your mind works, man. You, uh, I can tell just by spending some time with you that. You can't you can't you can't speak fast enough to keep up with all the thoughts going through your mind, right? Because you're you got a lot of ideas going, and it's like, oh, now which ones do I say? I can just tell yeah. your mind is your mind is spinning. You've got a lot going on up there, which is it's it's great. It's almost too bad that you can't speak faster. But uh, hey, then no one would understand you anyway. And and then if people were playing these back at one point five or something, <laughs> I always think about that. You gotta you can't talk too fast on these shows. Because if you do, when people listen to them in, in, in high speed, then they can't even hear you because you're, you're Oh yeah. I didn't I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just I'm just I'm just just make it I'm just going off a comment that you you know you're you're a thinker. I can tell that. I can tell that you're a thinker. You've got a lot of good ideas going through your mind. And um it's uh and I know sometimes you can't you can't get it all out, you know, not you, anybody, mm-hmm. right? It's uh, mm-hmm. so if if we if we could go for three hours, I'm sure I'm sure we could. Uh, <laughs> Here's it. Tyler did some research. Says about thirty-four thousand households have a net worth of hundred million in the U.S. So, yeah, there's. Uh, but you're right. Thirty-four thousand people could own that Michael Jordan card, and it wouldn't even you know the PSA ten. And it, well, I mean, it's still about a percent of their, or you know, half to a half a percent of their net worth. So I don't know if everyone's going to do it, but they could do it and not really lose any sleep. And there's only three hundred and fifteen to go around. That's one per thousand of them. So. Yeah. And I think the, the the factor I was looking at, not that I have to be right, but I think I was looking at it. They were both on the screen. It was people that had a billion dollars. So ah, anyways, but, but still the point remains is if even if you're a huge sports fan, which let's say 25 percent, let's say 50 percent of people are sports fans. And you so that's 100 million. I mean, anyways, point being, there's so many people. And even if they like Mike, even if they like basketball. If they like Michael Jordan, if they just want to brag, if they, you know, how many people have the Maserati or Lamborghini, then that's just the way people think and they want to brag. Um, And uh, there's nothing better you can do than than the Michael Jordan PSA 10 1986. Yeah, very few better pieces to to flex with than that. I I, I hear what you're saying. People, it's funny because we say that people like to flex and brag, but I think a lot of people just want to, you know, enjoy what they have and let others that's what instagram is nice for is that it's kind of become sort of like accepted that you get a nice card you show it on instagram if you're if you're active there and 
a lot of other people who do the same thing into and that's build it builds community i think because it 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 also is proof of commonality and when you have something in common with someone you have more of a where you can you you have the potential for a better rapport with them and it just makes for more fun so i think you know but you're right uh there's a lot of people out there that can afford these cards that aren't in the hobby yet or buying them. And I've been saying for a while now that, you know, 15,000 PSA 10, Luca, whatever, it, it's a lot of cards, but it there's more than 15,000 people oh, yeah. out there that are fans of Luca. So, you know, but then the question is, how many of them want to spend $1,000 on a Luca prison base PSA 10? I don't know the answer. We don't have to get into all that. But I think that. We, population is something that we talk about a lot. It's very important in the hobby, uh, as far as a, a deriving value and 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 uh, a set and really understanding scarcity and, and the rareness of a card in a certain condition. It is important. It's helped. It's helped to put some framework around that for for all of us hobbyists. Uh, but all that said, fifteen thousand. Some people think that is a, and I'm not saying they're wrong. Some people. Think and assert that fifteen thousand is way too many population for any card, and I kind of, you know, I'm not saying it is or isn't, but I'm like, I don't. It might not be too many at some point in time. At some point in time, there may be an appetite for fifteen thousand Luca Prism base cards if uh, you know if he doesn't have an injury for the next few years and the mm -hmm. hobby continues to grow. Maybe not the pace it has been, but at least at some uh, to some degree of, of of growth. So time will yeah, tell. The market is the market. They bought them. They all have been bought for that price, um, and it's not tanking until he until he probably if, if he ever did get injured. But uh, I is if he stays on MVP ladder all the time, I don't I don't see it tanking. No, for sure. Matt has another question. We're going to wrap up in a couple minutes here, everybody. So if you have any more questions, comments for Ethan, please put them in the chat. But uh, Matt has a, a great question here says that Ethan what are your thoughts about fanatics bringing in so many new collectors in a few years what will it mean for pricing of limited print pre 2021 cards and this is a i think this is a very i think it's a question that a lot of people are asking right now is you know fanatics is going to come in over the next 5 years maybe sooner who knows you know in some way shape or form and the hob, I think everyone's expecting this Fanatics era to be a lot different than what we've experienced, you know, in the 2010s and 2020 sort of thing. So I think this is a, it's a timely question. It's probably going to be timely for a little while, but I'll, I'll state it again to you, uh, Ethan. What, where, what do you think cards that have been, you know, pre-2021, what do you think is going to happen to them over the next uh, few years once uh, once Fanatics comes in? Um. I would put it like this: everyone that uh, everyone in the hobby that's super excited about cards that from their '90s and the '90s inserts and the Michael Jordan '90s inserts, like I saw you, you posted your 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 platinum portrait, um, they're they're super excited about it. And then there was a dip in the in the early 2000s where people weren't there was the the wax junk era, but also people just weren't that aren't that excited about 2000 2010. But these last few years when everyone's been super excited um, they, there's made, they've made a lot of cards, but these cards are new iconic cards. And it's going to, as you were talking about earlier in, in the previous podcast, um, there are going to be new iconic cards, new goat cards, uh, especially Michael Jordan. And when Giannis, 
I mean, he's just at the beginning of his amazing career right now. Um, point being is uh, those cards will continue to go up in value. Um, I think they'll they'll have the same. Um, they'll continue to go up in value and become iconic, just as the '90s cards that were so hard to get that everyone now. I mean, I'm I'm 41 years old, so when I look back at those cards, and they'll have that same. We'll all have that same feeling towards these last few years car of cards that that have been driving the hobby wild. So I I think that those those types of cards will continue to go up in value. And uh, as I said earlier, low pop cards that people aren't making any of uh, of the goats. I think those will also go up. Yeah. No. Sounds good. I I think the one the one sort of catch to all this is that, and based on Matt's question that I think the question a lot of people are asking is we still don't know what fanatics is going to do. You know, Mark, Mark mentions 2026 as to when fanatics is, you know, like it's a net, you know, the, the, the licenses are expiring, the old ones expire and they take over, but who knows, they might find yeah. a way into the game sooner than that. And, and we just don't know what's going to happen once they are fully in, once they have the licenses or maybe they, maybe they've, figure something out, you know, maybe they buy somebody with a license already and they acquire a license next year or the year after. I mean, there are, there are ways around that. Uh, you know, it, it, it's plausible that they, something could happen, but the real, to the question here, Ethan, the, the thing is, is that we don't know what fanatics is going to do yet. There's a ton of speculation and I'm sure somebody's hit the, hit, hit the bullseye on it. Someone probably has by now, but we just don't know who. So it, I think this question is, that, that Matt asks here, you know, it's a great question. Um, I personally think that cards, you know, especially if Fanatics does not find a way to carry on any of the brands that we are used to, whether it's, you know, the Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, any of that, if they don't, if they don't find a way to carry on those brands, then I think we're going to see good things for the for those brands up until 2020, whatever. Yes, I, I do. When I look at fanatics, I look at what they've done with um, if something is autographed, um, if something is autographed with uh, by a player, then as far as they're concerned, or, or, auto, or I'll say this uh, player worn. If you try to sell something and try to license it and say, I made this and it has player worn, you're going to get a cease and desist letter from fanatics because they have the licenses and they're they're very particular about that. Um, and I personally, when I looked at the way all of that went down, where they went under tops and under Panini and brought it all together, um, that was uh, businessmen. It was very crafty, very crafty. But it also, it didn't, when I started piecing it together, it didn't seem out of place for, you know, their their businessmen. They, they, they put that together. So when I started seeing... Um, what their plan was, from what I understand, they want to have a one-stop shop where they do they sell direct to consumer, and they also do their uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken all their own breaking. At least that's and that that makes sense because if if they want if they want to make the money from that, so if they're selling direct to consumer, and they're also doing their breaking, that's cutting a lot of people out. And then if they're also wanting to do their own grading, it, my the point I was looking at is they can't take away eBay from us. 
which and they can't take away Instagram and people selling on Instagram. They can take away the breaking because you just if you just can't get packs, you can't get packs. And they can take away the hobby shop availability to, to sell packs. But they can't take away eBay. They can't take away Instagram and, and, and whatnot and all the other way people sell. Um, that they they wouldn't have a way to stop that. Um, but it looks like they're they're trying to get a stranglehold and, and, and more power to them. I mean, that's that's what that's that's what they're in business for. But it's going to be a very different way of doing things. But as far as the resell, as far as reselling, when I look at reselling, I can't imagine a way that they would stop people from reselling not on their platform. Selling on eBay, selling their on their own, going to cards, card store. I mean, going to to uh, going to the national and whatnot. All that's going to be healthy, um, but uh, it's going to be very vastly different. Yeah, it's going to come down to what they actually do versus what was said during one three minute interview on CNBC in uh, in the fall or the the summer fall of 2021 right I mean we mm-hmm. there's a lot a lot can change between now and then I think I think I think the hobby heard those comments and uh, took them as the as the the mission statement of of fanatics cards and I don't know that that's the case again I don't know what is or isn't but time will tell and we'll have a much better idea as things actually roll out. And and to add to that, I I think at the very least, we can all, most people can agree that a mission statement type of thing that you you just mentioned would have been helpful in that, hey, we genuinely care about the card shop, period. We are invested in that. And we know that that is vital for the healthy health of, of the hobby. Well, yeah, and, and I think that's what the hobby wanted to hear, but that doesn't mean that that the ho- that doesn't mean that uh, that they agree with that statement. They may they may think differently, and they mm-hmm. may they may think that it's not that it's not that way. We will see. I think I think um, we'll we'll see we'll see how how it rolls out. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun for for the whole hobby to observe. Um, it might not be fun for some people if there are businesses lost over this or, you know, people squeezed out, it won't be fun for them for sure, but it's going to be entertaining for the, uh, for all of the armchair quarterbacks and the content creators and, uh, collectors and hobbyists to, to see what does, what does roll out. Uh, Mark says he thinks that fanatics will draw younger people. Well, that's a very, um, positive, uh, you know, outcome if that does happen. And I think that would be a wonderful thing. Uh, we might finish with this question here from Jay uh, Skolnick. He says, uh, Ethan, what is your opinion on relative prices to overall prices versus inflation? Most intelligent analysts would say all cards are inflated. So that's a pretty complex sounding question. I'm not sure I fully understand it. What is your opinion on relative prices to overall prices versus inflation? Probably, I would uh, say that the market, the market is, that it's built into the market. And that, uh, you know, if what you would go get a, a gallon of gas for goes up and gallon of in you, whatever they call it, the bread basket, your, your basket. Yeah. So that goes up and what you, your disposable income that's built in. If you look at card ladder, the cards that we're all interested, the good cards, they continue to go up and they go up more than inflation. The best cards. If you're just talking about random cards, then they will th- that's not part of that's not part of the equation 
Yeah, no, I, th I think you're right. I think it, it, it really, when we when, when you see the comment that um, intelligent analysts would say all cards are inflated, that might very well be the case based on just what's happened in the world in the last year and a half with all the printing of all the money, uh, you know, more money to spend. People, some people put into sports cards uh, that, you know, the economy is is a key factor in the hobby, I believe. And uh, time could, you know, when the economy changes, the, but the hobby has survived the, the, yes. uh, the, the ebbs and flows of the economy over the past 30, 40 years as well. And it's, it survived it with, with, with strength, you know, coming out better than before. So I would say it's healthier than it ever has been. And with all of the recent health and the things that have happened, the future is even brighter because the world has tried their hardest to tell us what a good sports memorabilia is. They tried with plates. They tried with wristbands. They tried with uh, coins. They tried with pogs. They've tried with everything. And the world, the sports world, in unity said i want a card and then they said i want a rookie card and they said i want the rookie card graded period that card right there is what i want and when when we all realized that the world said that all sports fans want that thing and that they're the world the sports uh sports has gone up billions of dollars and that's the thing that we all agreed on that we want. And it, it might, it might, NFTs might enter into it, but sports cards is where it's at. And I think it's healthier than ever. And it'll, it'll continue to grow more than inflation to answer the last question. All right. No, that's a, that's a good way to end the show. I think that I, I'm with you, man. I, I think that's a good outlook. And um, so we are going to wrap up. Uh, this has been awesome, uh, Ethan. Uh, big unit says great show guys thank you last call for thumbs up thank you big unit for uh and i'll you know please hit that thumbs up button everybody if you're not subscribed to the channel please subscribe if you're not following ethan on instagram and you want to and or you want to check out his ebay store that has been uh streaming here on the ticker all episode long so uh at graded sports.cards on instagram you can follow ethan uh join me in following him and if you want to check out his ebay store gradedsports.cards. I want to thank everybody for joining. Ethan, thank you for joining. I hope you enjoyed this, and I hope uh, you continue yes. to uh, continue with your podcast aspirations. You were a professional blogger. You may as well continue. Barbara, thank you so much. Glad to see you're still here. Appreciate the comment and, uh, and sticking around to watch the show. Final comment from you, Ethan, and then we are done. I just want to thank you. And also, I'm a big fan, and I really appreciate uh, the, the time. And the I've watched a lot of your interviews. You do an amazing job. I just want to uh, very professional. So I, I, I appreciate it. And when I was looking at it, uh, I see a lot of people ramble on. or And, and like I said, uh, they'll talk about things that aren't important, and you go right to it. And so I really appreciate it. I thank you for the comments very much. Terry, thank you. Appreciate that. Glad you enjoyed and that's going to end it. Well, thanks again, everybody. Hit the thumbs up, hit the subscribe, comment, whatever else YouTubers ask you all to do. Much appreciated. Uh, thanks again to Ethan Janes at gradedsports.cards. Truly appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you all back here next Saturday, guys, 
Adam, the real 27 guy, will be joining me. We will be covering for the fifth month straight, I believe, the PWCC Premier Auction extended bidding. It's always a ton of fun to watch those cards go up at the end. So come check that out. And uh, Ethan, hang tight right there for one second. Everybody else, good night. And uh, hey, have a great week ahead. And if you're around tomorrow, 7 o'clock Eastern, I'll be doing Collectible Live on the Collectible YouTube channel. Good night. Have a great week. Ethan, one moment. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.